Good morning and welcome to the Morning Burrito Podcast. I am Michael. And I am Eric. Thank you for joining us to our first ever episode. First ever. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I kind of started eating my burrito already. Yeah, I did um, too. You know why? Because we've already recorded this once and you didn't hit record. Uh, that's true. So you're getting us on take two. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so today and going forward, you're going to hear some awesome, uh, just cultural relevant stuff from two pastors' hearts, um, us discussing things anywhere from aliens to what pastors do to tattoos. I mean, there's lots oh, of things on the docket for us to talk about in the It'll future. It'll be great. But today, uh, we are going to start this podcast off right with something that is near and dear to our hearts because it's what we do. It's, it's our life. It's who we are. And we're asking the question, what do pastors actually <laughs> do? But before we get there, just so you know, uh, we are uh, on Facebook, obviously, if you're watching this or YouTube. Um, there's going to be lots of ways in the future for you to get involved and be a part of our show, and we're looking forward to that. There might even be some live elements coming, yep. um, live shows. But make sure, get yourself a burrito. Or, or a cup or, of coffee. Or a cup of coffee, or both, or you know some other breakfast item. And every Tuesday at 10, just join us and, and enjoy, whether you're at your office or in your living room or kitchen or whatever the case is. Um, just turn your computer screen so your boss can't see it. Yeah. Eat with us. Great. We'll have fun. It'll be awesome. So let's let's dive right in. Um, how does one become a pastor? What, what matters in becoming a pastor? Um, well... Uh, for, yeah, right. For me, it was like, I don't want to become a pastor. Um, I don't want to grow up poor. I don't want to live poor. Um, so God has to get a hold of your life. There's got to be a call on your life to be a pastor. And if that doesn't happen, you're going to be the guy or the girl that, um, that is just in it for the career, the job. And we both know people that do that. Um, it just doesn't work. So you got to get you got to get to the call. There's got to be a call in your heart. So, what do pastors do? Man, really? <laughs> what do you do? You know, you know. I, so you know what I did this morning? I was up before sunup, and I came out to the church, and I put the trunk or treat stuff out uh, in the yard. I pounded the stakes, got all that done. People don't know I do that. You know. So, but what do we do? We do more than funerals, and we do more than baptisms. We do more than weddings. Do we work one day a week? We work. Um, well, some people think that we only work one day a week. Some people think we get six days off. Um, but, yeah, um, you know, some people think that we're on call 24-7, right? But, um, you know, we're, that's kind of hard. Um, but, yeah, we kind of, we kind of, our job solely is follow the call that God's placed in your life and, um, and, and shepherd your flock, whatever that looks like. So you talked about calling, and calling is obviously crucial. I mean, you you cannot be a pastor without being called. I mean, you can, but it's not going to be very successful right. in the long run. Right. Is it fair to say that that calling helps you uh, go through the rough and tumble times of <laughs> ministry? You know, if I wasn't called, I would have quit ministry probably my first week. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not a job. I know you and I both know people that will go into ministry, and this is you, I'm sorry, um, but you use it as a stepping stone. Um, I'm going to do children's ministry. I'm going to do youth ministry, and then someday I'll, you know, get my education done, put my time in, you know, for ordination, and then I'll be a, a lead pastor. Um, that wasn't the route I took. Um, the route I took was I, I was called a student ministry, mm. and uh, so my first 25 years was that. Um, and it wasn't until God said, "Hey, it's time for you to 
make a shift in ministry did he call me into this uh, lead pastor thing. So, yeah, the call is very important. If you get in a hot, sticky situation with parents or with church board or with, I mean, pick a, pick a topic, pick a person. Um, sometimes you walk away from there and you're beat up and you're bruised and you've got to fall back on your, on your calling. Yeah. Um, I'm doing this because I'm called. You know, enough poor me, enough, you know, tears kind of thing. It's just, it's my calling. It's what I got to do. Now, there are lots of giftings. Um, you know, there, there are definitely pastors who are good at preaching and those that are not very good at preaching. Mm-hmm. It's just not their gifting. Um, they're good at, they're pastors who are good teachers. Some that are not. That's a so really good. good burrito, by the way. It was very good. Thank it's, you. It's a, you're welcome. I have these hot peppers are killing me. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, you know, there are people who are called to do worship. They have the ability of a worship leader, a worship pastor. But would you say it's fair that, you know, you have to have multiple giftings to be a pastor? Yeah, no. Mm-mm. Because some pastors don't have people multiple ass- giftings. People assume that, you know, like if you were in a church, Hermanaz, let's, let's bring it specific into our context. If I weren't here. Were you the youth pastor, even though you did youth ministry for 25 years, were you the youth pastor mm-hmm. for all of the time you were here before I got here? Yeah, no. Why not? Because, I mean, all pastors have all giftings. I mean, we should be able to do everything, right? I don't think that's in the Bible. Oh. You're trying You're trying to bait me, and I'm not taking it. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> so, no, pastors aren't all things to all people, including to their staff. Sure. Um, um, I've been on staff where we had a, a lead pastor. All he did was preach. Never made any hospital calls. Never sent any you know letters out to people. Um, never really even went to meetings. So he's more um, of a teaching. He pastor. didn't come to board meeting. I mean, he was just the the, the teaching pastor. Um, so yeah, that's where his gifting was. Um, so that's where he he was at. So nuts and bolts. What is what is a week in the life of Eric? Fritz, the pastor, the lead pastor at <laughs> Coffee, Hermes. coffee, 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 coffee. Every time um, I see you, if it's the it's, morning particularly, you have a cup of coffee in your hand. It, it's like time in the word and coffee. I mean, that's that's it. Um, so, yeah, so you asked me what the typical week is? Yeah, what is it? When, when so, we're not crazy with, you know, pandemic and the rest, because our <laughs> our last six months has been very strange been pretty, every crazy. week. So, yeah, life hmm, life in the in, in a week, huh? Um, so I have this online schooling thing going on in my living room. So because of the pandemic, uh, I work a lot from home now. Um, so I have my seventh grader on that side of the table and me on this side of the table. He's doing school. I'm doing sermon. And it's been kind of kind of cool. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's, it's changed. Um, there's no longer hospital calls. Right. You know, there's no longer going to people's homes. Um, so it's a little different. So uh, what I try to do is I try to set my week up to where – I have my, my study days, and then I have my senior adult days, and I've got my meeting days. So if I can get those three days in, um, the rest just kind of falls into the whatever category. Um, so would it be fair to say that, you know, if you're, if you're listening today and you are across the country or maybe you're somebody that's part of our congregation here in Armiston, Oregon, um, would it be fair to say that, you know, we have regimented days to the extent that we have meetings, we have appointments that we keep that, you know, 
you can't just call us up and call up a pastor, not just us, but any pastor, and say, I want to see you right now. It doesn't necessarily work. That oh, they is. do that, though. Oh, of course they do. But my point is, this is, you know, helping people to understand what we do, um, what a pastor does, what a pastor's life is like. It is important to understand that we have schedules and that we, you know, need you to fit into that schedule depending on priority and all of those things. Is that yep. fair? Yeah, it's fair. But it's also fair to say that uh, my calendar is very flexible. Um, right. You know, it's so um, as flexible as it can be. Um, but, well, and we've uh, our our pandemic experience has been very different um, because I have two very uh, young girls, a ten-year-old and a newborn, almost uh, nine months old now. Um, and so, throughout this pandemic, it's been hard for me to be home and work because I have a hard time concentrating on things when the the girls are running around with their hair on fire. Um, whereas your house is a lot quieter than mine. Most of the time. Well, I can spread out too. I got I got several tables outside. I got the fire pit. You know, you you don't. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So every pastor is normal human. We're I mean we're we're no different than anybody else. Did you just call me normal, Abby. That's what I just Abby heard. Normal. I just I just heard you say that. We we enjoy our free time. We enjoy our days off. And so what what does a pastor Eric like to do in his recreation time what it what what it, where, where's your sanctuary away from the sanctuary so my sanctuary away from the sanctuary um is with my family uh, as much as i can um and uh, try to take my wife on dates try um try um probably could all do better at that um but yeah i like to fish i like to be outdoors um i like to even sit on the couch with a remote with my kids um but but yeah, family family oriented is my day off kind of yeah. kind of thing. So, but anytime in the boat or on a fishing trip or anything like that in the kayak, great. So we're ten minutes in, and we really haven't spent a lot of time talking about us. And and we have this this new podcast. We have these people that are, you know, tuning in to watch our. You're faces. leading this thing. So let's let's take a break for just a second and just fill people in about us. You know who who are we? Who are they? T- who are they listening to? These two bozos on the on the <laughs> on the computer screen. Yeah, okay. So, tell us about your ministry, your time in ministry, just briefly. Catch us up on who you are. Oh Pastor man! Eric. So I'm I'm a, I'm a Midwest guy. I'm from Michigan. Um, born and raised in the church. Um, didn't always follow um, the church. Wasn't always a Christian. Got saved at summer camp. Um, dated a lot of the wrong girls, uh, married the right perfect woman for my life. Um, is she a sanctifying woman? Oh, totally, totally, totally. Um, and uh, she dumped me a few times in our dating, but she—I'm sure she'll appreciate. I was a little slow that. to warm up. That's a whole different story. Anyway, um, so I—I uh, I was on the track of physical therapy. Um, that was where my career was heading, and then God got a hold of my life, put the call on it, and I rebelled, left the whole thing. Uh, we'll get into that probably later, um, sometime in our podcasting. Um, but the journey has been 25 years in student ministry, and I haven't moved a whole lot. Um, just probably can cut them all on one hand. And then uh, this is the first senior pastor gig. Um, and, yeah, that's kind of us in a nutshell. So I, uh, I'm also a Midwest boy, which is kind of funny when we were – I'm from Illinois, uh, near the Chicago area, um, so not too far from where you grew up, a few hours. And um, we are different ages, so to speak. I mean, we're not separated by a bunch of years, but some. Um, 
my ministry career. The, the Bible says gray hair is wisdom. I got some of that in my beard here. It doesn't say on the face, though. No, Sorry. I don't know what just, that's supposed to mean. Well, you don't have anything on your head, so. Oh, whatever. Wisdom on this side of the table. Bald is beautiful. So Kelly, you if you're watching, you know what I mean. <laughs> so, um, I didn't grow up in church. Um, now, my parents will probably bristle at hearing that, but, I mean, we went to church. We were Christmas Easter. I mean, where I grew up, they called them priesters. Mm -hmm. um, so, we, you know, we'd go to Christmas, Easter, funerals, that sort of thing, but um, we weren't every Sunday type church people. My parents raised me to believe in God, but it was never a personal thing, um, at least not until I, I turned 16 and I was in high school and we started going to church regularly, Nazarene Church in Chicago, uh, Chicago area, uh, Chicago First, C1, it's out for you guys. Um, and God got a hold of me and my, my, my path leading up to my call to ministry was very crazy. I did not expect to be in ministry at all. Um, I started my college career as a uh, as an aviation major, and then I switched to a radio and TV broadcasting major, which obviously has come in handy, yeah. handy a little bit. Um, and then I then I changed to a criminal justice major. So I never expected this. Um, and after leaving college, um, God called me, and uh, it was an amazing call. And my call has not been like yours um, in that you moved a few times. Mine's more than one hand. Lots. <laughs> Um, and if you include moving in the same town, it's even more than that. Um, um, but we've changed churches. We've been in all kinds of different states from Oklahoma to New Mexico to Wisconsin, Indiana, Illinois, and now Oregon. Um, see, I don't say You Oregon. didn't say Oregon. You said it right that time. Oh, whatever. And, uh, but you have two Midwest guys who ended up at the exact same church in Oregon, of all places. The beautiful eastern side of Oregon. And we both have been in the lower Midwest, Kansas for you and um, Oklahoma for me. Both were in the southwest at some point, um, which is interesting um, in and of itself that our paths have gone kind of in the same direction. Um, what is something, just one thing, just one overarching thing that you've learned through your ministry time? Your 30, just one? almost 30 years just, of ministry. Just one? Just one thing I've learned? Just w one ginormous thing that you've learned. Never use the restroom on Sunday mornings. <laughs> I mean, that's probably... Okay, so, uh, yeah. That's a funny story. You should share. Yeah, no, no, no. We're not in funny story time. Um, uh, probably... Actually, we are moving to funny story yeah, time. Okay, we'll save that for maybe whenever. Um <laughs> Uh, one thing, huh? One thing, probably one thing that I've learned is the um, the power of of over communication. Mm. Um, you know, promo, 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 promo is different than communicate, communicate, communicate. Um, so the communication from pastor to people is valued, um, not. Not communication by internet, not communication by right. email. It's it's pick up the old school phone, talk to people, or write a hand letter, you know, or visit. note card. Um, yeah, I can't really do that with the pandemic right now. But <laughs> um, but yeah, that's probably one thing that I've seen be a value all the way through ministry. It's that personal communication. And it's it would probably I, I mean my experience has been this way. There are people in ministry who are good at that, mm -hmm. and there are others that are really, really poor at it. And then there's people like me who are kind of in the middle. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm great at it, but I'm not awful at it either. 
Um, I had a lady say, Pastor, I appreciate the nope, couldn't read your handwriting, but sure appreciated the time that it took to scribble it. Like, well, and in these days, score. you know, with, with texting and social media and whatever, um, the old school phone call or I mean, who writes letters anymore? I mean, that's, that's pretty rare these days. Um, they have power to them because it is so rare. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, that's true, right? Yep. So let's take uh, just a few moments, and we're, we're doing pretty good on time. I think it, people would love to hear your funniest story from ministry. Maybe it's an epic fail. Maybe it's something that just happened during a service or something that was really funny. And uh, you've shared one story with me. I hope you share it again. That is, it is, it is pretty, pretty spectacular. I'm not sure what that story is, but I got two. I got to share two. Okay. So um, the first one, um, I was speaking at a church. I, I was guest speaker at this church, and I was sitting on the f- second row because nobody ever sits on the first row, right? Unless you're at a funeral. Funerals always sit on the first row for some reason. Um, but so I'm sitting on the second row. I'm on the end, and this is the old school, old church wood pews. No padding on the bottom or the back. The Just, ones that hurt your butt. Yes, and your back and everything else. And they squeak, right? Oh, yeah. So, so I'm sitting on the end, and next to me is this elderly lady. Um, I have no idea how old she was, but she had to be, I don't know, pushing 100. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, she probably was probably more like 50 at the time because I was pretty young at the day. But, um, so I don't know how old she was. But as the pastor was building me up to uh, introduce me and call me forward, I put my hands down like on the seat to push myself up. And when I did that, the outside of my hand brushed against something which obviously belonged to the lady. Um, so that was just natural for me to push down, brush it, and look. And what I saw was sometime during the service, she took her mouthful of teeth out and placed them between us on the pew. So she and had I her dentures right just there. Just about puked right there. That was... That you had was, your Howie Mandel moment. I, like, I couldn't shake nothing off. The I germs. Just, um, so that, service, that, that was a little rough to, to start start that one so uh, but i guess you're the other one because the other one was was one that i had a senior pastor back in the in the small church where i i won't say what church but in one of the small churches that we're in um we we still sat on the platform um behind the pastor as the pastor would preach um we we had we had our chairs the thrones as i call the thrones right we had the thrones and, and so I'm sitting there, and I'm directly behind him. So it's like him, like the pulpit, him, and then the youth pastor right there. And he would, like, pass gas when he'd preach. And I would just get so gassed out, and it was just, it was, it was horrible. It was horrible. i sit there, and I'd be smiling and laughing. And my wife Do you want would, to share that pastor's name? Uh, I do. I really do. <laughs> I, I really think you do. shouldn't. I really do. No. Because he, he, he may watch this. And... He might be watching this. But you know who you are. So, anyway. Um, anyway. That's a good one. I, I have a couple. I'm going to be real brief on these because they're longer stories. But uh, my first church that I attended when my wife and I got married, uh, the church we actually got married in, uh, in Racine, um, we were putting on this this youth concert event, right? And I... I was hoping to become the youth pastor of this church because I was early in my ministry time. I was uh, licensed as a pastor in the Church of the Nazarene, and uh, I really wanted to be this church's youth pastor. So this was my moment, right? This is to, You're shine, to basically to earn my way into ministry at this church um, that we had been at for a little about a, about a year at the time. And 
I get these bands lined up. They're great bands. The the headliner was awesome. Band from Minnesota. Won't share their name because I don't want to embarrass them. But um, comes time for the concert to begin, and the band hasn't even showed up yet. The headlining band isn't even there yet. And I'm frustrated as I'll get out because I'm high strung sometimes when it comes to these things, and I want to sh- put on a good show and finally get a hold of the lead singer. Oh, dude, we're we're just coming into Minnesota. We were thought we were supposed to be there. At, this time or whatever i'm like no that's when you're playing not when you're supposed to be there and so we had to back everything up slow everything down let the bands the bands who were there already let them play longer it was just really embarrassing and you're thinking no new job for you and i didn't get a job there (laughs) i don't know that that's what sealed it but that certainly didn't help my case at all uh, and then the other one, uh, this is from when I was a teenager. Um, my pastor, Dave Ludwig, hope you're watching this. Um, we used to make these awesome announcement videos. Do you remember yes, that I do. back in the day? Um, really funny stuff. And I, I'll never forget, they uh, they made this announcement video when I was, a, was it when I was a teenager where they took our intern up in an airplane and uh, the... Uh, the intern threw up in the uh, barf bag on camera. <laughs> oh, man, it was great just to see the weighty barf bag. It was it was good. Um, those are the days of youth ministry. We need to have a podcast that just is just storytelling. Yeah, that would be fun. Because I think we would try to up, up – each other up a little bit oh yeah probably yeah, yeah. although you I, I mean we could we could dude you've been in we ministry do longer so we I'm sure do this. so what's the what's the coolest thing that you know you, we as pastors something you need to know we get to see and witness everything from awesome to funny to horror horrific what's the what's the greatest thing that you get to see from your angle as a pastor what do you get to witness as a pastor that's just Awesome. Uh, yeah, probably. Um, again, just one thing, huh? Um, I mean, there's a lot of things that there we is. get to witness, but probably, probably the moment that somebody gets it. Um, oh, you stole mine. Yeah, see, that's why I went first. Um, pr- yeah, pr- probably that time when 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 people actually get it, and what they get is the understanding of God in their heart and what they're actually here for. Um, we were at a fall retreat uh, with our students uh, one year, and uh, this squirrely little girl that sat right in front of me, um, we slept in tents on our fall retreat, and, and there was two girls, and one was a hurricane, and the other was a tornado when they woke up every morning. It was just a, it was a nightmare. <laughs> but they come up, and they sit around the fire, and uh, they're shivering, and um, get done preaching, and call a commitment, and, and she summed it up like this. She says, I get it! I didn't think she's capable of ever getting anything. Um, but she said that, so that sticks to me uh, in my mind of, of people that they get it. And what they get is that understanding. And you watch them jump into ministry out of passion and excitement. Uh, for me, I think that's one of the greatest joys because people will serve in ways I'd never think they would serve. Sure. Um, I sit back and go, are you seriously doing that? Um, and, and they're loving it. Yeah. Um, totally opposite of the way they are at home or in their jobs. So, I don't know, for me, that's I, I like watching people get it, and then they get involved, they jump in. Two, two things for me. Um, when I'm preaching or when I'm leading worship, one of the things that's always really cool is to see the engagement of our people. When, you know, on those, like they didn't fall asleep? Well, I mean, not just falling asleep, but you can tell that they're paying attention, that mm-hmm. you know, they're shaking their head, they're engaged in whatever you're talking about. And that's, that's, that's really fun as a pastor because it means – Okay, my preparation, my hard work has go- that's gone into this message, 
it's working. Um, it's resonating with some people. That's, that's huge. Um, and then, you know, when you're leading worship, I mean, when you hear the congregation louder than the monitors you have in your ears or the monitors on the floor, whatever the case is, that is a really cool moment as a worship pastor or worship leader. Um, you know, you know, people are engaged and they are, they are worshiping their Lord along with you. And that's, that's really cool. But then the second thing, it actually happened at our fall retreat that you preached at this. Uh, it was a good time, by the way, a few days ago, but, um, you know, when you see kids that have been quiet, have been kind of to themselves, have not really connected with other students, and you see them come out of their shells at a retreat and become a part of the group um, and connect with other students, that's a really cool moment as a pastor. Because that's, as a student ministry pastor, youth pastor, that's that's what you go for. That's what you're, you're trying to engage your kids in a culture of connection and relationship. And to see that is really fun. I mean, it's. Mm-hmm. I, I would echo what you said about the, you know, I get it. They finally get it. Um, those are all obviously cool moments too. But um, there's something about kids finding connection with each other and, and being able to be a part of a group together as one body is is pretty neat. Yeah. Yep. So we're getting near the end today. But um, one thing we haven't really talked about is the pastor's heart. Um, there are a lot of... Uh, we talked in our, our practice run. We talked about First Timothy. The first run was really good. It was really way. good. It was it's, really good. I hope this one's just as good. Um, but we talked about First Timothy 3 and the qualifications that Paul gives us um, for a pastor. And he also adds deacons and, and elders and wives. Um, wives. And so, I mean, he gets a lot of detail um, on what's qualifications. But before we get to that, what is a pastor's heart? I mean, because... Whether you know it or not, we're human beings, and we we deal with the same sorts of issues and struggles um, that everyday human beings deal with, right? Um, we know that pastors, especially in pandemic, have had suicide rates going up dramatically. Um, what is a pastor's heart? Um, what is a pastor's heart supposed to look like? Um, how do we handle the good and the bad? Yeah, that's probably a good question. Um, there's probably a bunch of pastors that need to answer that question. Um, I think your heart has got to just remember that you have this this call in your life that's given you a passion for your people. Mm. And that passion, um, it, it's deep. And our people don't really know that. Um, I think from this side uh, of a lead pastorate, um, people don't think that they're connected to their pastor because pastor maybe hasn't talk to them in a long time or connected with them in, in some way. But what they need to understand is that their names come through uh, with prayer requests, praises. Um, we hear conversations about what's going on in their families. And that, in our spiritual life, that, that makes us have this relationship with them to where we, we do care about them um, in a very deep way, deeper than they know. So for our hearts, we got to keep our hearts protected. Uh, first of all, I would say, um, and I mean authentically, um, not just, um, hey, I'm a pastor. This is what I have to do. I have to go through the motions. Right. Um, we both know people that just go through the motions, and they're, they're I mean, it's obvious. Right. Um, you know, it's like with student ministry. Students know if you love them or if you don't. Right. right? Authenticity matters. It, it does. Um, and then integrity. you got to have integrity in your heart um, because without those two things, um, you're pretty much toast. Um, and I think you have to stop worrying about your gifting. Um 
there I, I sit in circles of senior pastors, of which I'm not really sure I consider myself one yet. <laughs> it's only been like six years. I was going to say um, it's almost a decade at yeah, this point. Yeah, but but they sit and they whine about their churches and their people, and and they haven't protected uh, their heart. And what I hear other pastors say is, well, it's a good place for them to vent. And I don't I don't know if that's really what I see. Um, because I never see the, I never see them in action. I never see the the ministry side of them. I only get the that side, but it comes across of, I mean, is your call really authentic? Um, um, so so I think you need to you need to really be authentic, um, and the uh, not a, have to realize not everybody speaks into your heart. Not everybody speaks into my life. Um, there's a few people that speak into my life, um, and they're people that are around the world. Or around the world, actually, they're just around the country. <laughs> um, there's like six of them that that speak into my life. And then there's people in our church here at Hermaz that do speak into my life, um, but not everybody. I mean, can you imagine if you have everybody, if you have 200 people speaking into your life, we you'd be a basket case. Oh, there's um, no doubt. So I think for a pastor's heart, you have to understand that uh, people have opinions, they have thoughts, they have grievances, they have prayer requests, they have praises, but they, they don't necessarily speak to you. Um, the other thing that does my heart good is that not everybody's emergency is my crisis. Um, I don't need to do that. Um, I'm not the guy that lives by the phone uh, all the time. I'm the easiest pastor, I think, to get a hold of. Uh, pick away. Um, all my stuff's public. Um, but, you know, if I'm with the kids and I put my time in, um, if it's not an emergency, uh, I'm probably taking my day off. Or I'm probably taking my, my time with my kids at their school event or whatever. We don't even do that anymore. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so those kind of pandemic so, time. So, yeah. Um, but... You know, this First uh, Timothy, you know, kind of lays it out there uh, for us. Some of the things that they pull out is uh, pastor has to be trustworthy. Um, and uh, I don't know if you hear it, but sometimes we hear, well, pastor, I don't, I don't know. It's like, okay, I know in my heart I am, I am above board, right? And then right. Timothy goes on and he talks about living above reproach. You know, can't come back, nothing under the table. Uh, watch your greed. Um, keep yourself uh, humble. Um, and then it talks about having one wife. Um, I'm not sure why that's in there. Um, that's pretty, I'm not sure how I would handle two wives or, or more. I, I don't know. One is, one, I love the one I have. Um, I don't. I, I have a hard enough time pleasing I, the one I have. I, know. I can't imagine trying to I, please two. It, it's crazy. And, you know, so I think I got the one wife thing down pretty good. And then it goes on and talks about, you know, not being a drunkard. Um, I think we I got that down pretty we good. We don't drink alcohol. You know, so we don't. Good. But, you know, coffee's kind of my go-to. Now, there was a day in my testimony where, um, you know, schnapps was kind of my, my go-to. Let's not go there. So, yeah, that would be different. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so, so the calling of a pastor um, also deals with uh, the pastor's heart being with his wife. Uh, the hearts have got to be together in ministry. Yeah. Um, I, we probably both know people that they're in ministry, but the spouse is not. Yeah. And it's not that they're not in ministry. It's not their calling. They're just checked out. They're not part of the church. They're not part of life groups. They're... You know, they might show up. Um, we had one staff person um, at one of our churches whose spouse, I think all the time I was there, I think I saw them twice. Um, yeah, you know, so I, it's, that's sad. So you have to be united in that, um, which is part of your heart because that's well, success. And, and this is probably a topic for another time, but the, part of that, part of the problem with pastoral spouses or even pastoral families is the glass house concept that again, maybe we can approach that some other time, but um, just a, a, a piece of advice. If you're, if you're watching this and you're deciding on whether to go into ministry or you're wrestling with, do the call, it. 
uh, do it. It is one of the best jobs. It is the best job. I mean, I love my job. Um, but if you're already tied to someone, meaning you have a spouse or you're engaged to somebody, make sure they're 100% on board. Um, you cannot do ministry with a spouse who's not engaged um, in your calling. Um, they have to support you 100%. That means that they're engaged in the church that you are serving. Because um, if they're not, it, it's going to be a strain on your marriage. And again, you mentioned it. We've seen and know people in ministry who have had that problem, and it's, it's tough. It is really hard to be in ministry when your spouse is like, yeah, I don't want to be here, or your kids for that matter. All right. Um, something we didn't touch on when we were doing our first run through, uh, and this is where we can kind of bring close to our, our time together. Um, what are some of the needs that pastors have from their people in their congregation? So, you know, we may (laughs) have people not, we we can get to the Hermnas in a, in a moment, but just in general, what, you know, people, again, if they're in Michigan or they're in New York or they're here in Oregon or whatever, but we're not their pastors. What can they do for their pastors to help their pastor and the pastoral families? Yeah. Um, you need to pray for your pastors. You really do. You need to pray for them. Um, we've been in churches where they don't pray for us. Uh, and we've been in churches and we're in a church now that even part of our interview process was asking, how do you pray for your pastor? And do you pray for your pastor? And, and there gave us several examples of how they do that. And when, when they do that, um, so I would say it does our heart really good knowing that we're prayed for, our kids are prayed for, um, you remember our kids' birthdays, um, you remember our anniversaries. Uh, those are just the little things because we don't have family, right? We, we, we really don't. And we probably don't have really the closest friends in a big group of close friends anyway in, in our churches. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so those things speak volumes to us, I think, as pastors. Yeah, and it doesn't mean you have to go up in front of the church and scream oh. from the rooftops. I mean, it really does embarrass us. I mean, it's it's like we understand why it happens and we appreciate right. it, but it is it is one of those things that we look at each other and we're like, <sighs> <You're> right. <laughs> you know, when, right. when we're acknowledged, because, I mean, we feel like we're acknowledged all the time. Um, but, yeah, acknowledging our kids' birthdays and our wife's birthday um, or your spouse's birthday, um, those are important, yeah. I think. The other thing would be jump in ministry. Oh, um, definitely. You know, yeah. you know, back back in the day, they always did the spiritual um, gift classes that, that that tell you where your spiritual gifting lies, yeah. right? Um, but let's simplify that a little bit. Um, what's your passion? Because your passion is what you're gifted in. Um, I've never seen those two things be separate. Um, you're, you're you're gifted. And when you're gifted, you're passionate about it. So well, I will I will challenge you on that. There, I have met some people who have a real passion for singing, and that's not uh, their gifting. Okay, maybe singing's not on the table. Or, or they're passionate about playing an instrument. and That might be. But when you're passionate to serve the Lord, you're going to go naturally where um, you're, you're, you're gifted. Sure. Now, you might have to hone some of those gifts in. Sure. Right? Um, like Moses, he was, he was a gifted speaker, even though he didn't think he could speak. Right. right, he had to hone it in, and God helped him with that. But, but jump in. Um, I'm always challenging our people. Pray, ask the Lord what what it is that you're supposed to do. Listen to what He says, and then when you hear it, act on it. And uh, our churches are full of people that aren't praying, <laughs> therefore they're not listening, and they're definitely not acting. Well, and um, and you know we talked about calling. Everybody has a calling on their life. Everybody. Uh, God. God does not just call pastors to do ministry. God calls all of us to do ministry. And so 
you know, contrary to popular belief, pastors don't do everything within the church. Pastors are not responsible for everything that happens in ministry in a church. We need you. Um, past, your pastor, if we're not your pastors, your pastor needs you. So serve where you're passionate. Sir. And if you don't know where you're passionate, that's what we're here for. Come and talk to us. Talk to your pastor and, and, and tell them, I need help figuring out what I'm passionate about for right. ministry. And uh, I promise you, they will put you somewhere. They'll put you somewhere. <laughs> they will figure it out. I got one more. Um, be authentic. Um, I respect the person more that says, you know what? I, I'm here, but I'm not buying into God. I'm not buying into yeah. Jesus. I'm not buying into the cross. Um, you talked about this with our teens. I did. Um, I would rather have you here and honest than here just going through the motions playing church. Because um, yeah. one is healthy and one is not. You can be a healthy sinner and you can be a very unhealthy Christian. Um, and that should be a sermon. That, that really should be. I think that was just born. You need, right to, write, you need to write that down. I need to write that down. Um, <laughs> I'll just go back and listen to this. Um, but, but really, um, because honestly, when you come like to Hermnaz, you know, I think we do this really well uh, as a church. Uh, one thing we're going to talk about on the podcast is how does, how does our church, local church, do this? Um, how does it affect us? Um, Hermnaz takes care of us. Um, they love us. They pray for us. They support us. Yep. Um, they, they follow us. Um, they, they also hold us accountable, um, you know, in a loving and appropriate ways. Um, so I think Herm Naz does it really, really well, um, uh, for us as pastors, but yeah, where was I going with that? I forgot. Anyway, jump in. <laughs> no. So you're right. And, and Oh, be authentic. That's where I was going with that. Be authentic with your call. Yeah. Um, and either you accept, you know, a call into ministry or just the call to accept Christ as your savior. Um, uh, be authentic with that because you do and have let to us know where you stand. I mean, if, if you think we're nuts and we're, you know, if you think your pastor's out of line, you can be honest about that and be gentle and, you know, be, be truthful with them about those things. I, I think both of us, you know, it's, we've experienced in our time, the people who come up say, pastor, you did a great job. And you can just see like, they don't really believe that. Liars. You can tell that they're not telling you the truth. Um, or, you know, there have been times as a, as a worship pastor where I know that I did not do a good job. And somebody will come up to me after service. Pastor, you sounded great and you played great. And it was just awesome. Yeah, no, no, it was awful. And my wife, my wife, God bless her. You know, she really tries to be super supportive and super. But I, I'm like, dear, I know it was bad. Like, you don't have yeah. to you don't have to patronize me. I know we stunk like we could do better. Um and I'm overcritical of myself. That's maybe something to know about a lot of pastors is a lot of them are very critical over themselves about things. So, um, well, let's let's wrap this up. Okay. Uh, tell us about what we are so, doing going forward. We have some topics coming up that are, 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 you don't want to hang on to because they're, they're just they're like aliens versus Christianity or like aliens how, in Christianity how, even. How, huh? how, did, how, right? did, how does the potential so, existence I'm of I'm not aliens, going there right now. It's going to be not great. Going there. It's going to be not next time, but in a couple times. So yeah. next time we get together, we're going to talk about liking Jesus but not the church. And um, It's a sentiment and, in and, our culture. What that is is, man, we like Jesus, we want Jesus, but we don't like to follow his ways, his teachings. We don't like the church that says this is what you do, what you don't do. Um, so we're going to kind of talk about that a little bit. Yep. Um, so, hey, if you want to follow us, we're on Facebook. It's uh, Morning Burrito Podcast. So check it out um, and tune in, get your burrito, grab your coffee. We'll see you next time. See you guys.